Welcome to the Brown Posey Press Show, part of the BookSpeak Network, a program dedicated to independent and self-published authors. This show will examine new and unique works of literature, learn about their creators, and discuss the industry. And now your host, Tori Gates. We are in Wellsboro, Pennsylvania at From My Shelf Books, and we are doing this episode live. I am before Kevin and Casey, the owners. Thank you for having me. It's been great to have you. We're just getting the author events started again, so I'm really glad that you can make your journey up, as they say, from uh, the south in Harrisburg, York area. That's the south. I kind of I, <laughs> I, I kind of call anything below Interstate 80 the south. Okay, because that's an interesting thing, because I've always had people, where I'm from in New England, we always say, go up to somewhere, even if it's to the south of us, and it leaves us all scratching our heads, because different people, like Vermonters, will say up or down, and Bostonians will say the exact opposite. Oh, which, that's hilarious. Which I have never understood. Well, and, so you're a Yankee, right? And so you understand that, yeah. like, like Interstate 80 is definitely, it's not the Mason-Dixon line. No, definitely it's the not. It's Interstate 80 that divides us. Mm-hmm. Well, how about tell us a little bit about From My Shelf and the history. Tell us about how this began. And that's the other thing. I'm, I, am in an, I am in an honest to you know what bookstore with lots of books and for those who have never been to from my shelf it is a it there's books and there's shelves and it's not all ordered in corporate which is something i enjoy well we love that we really wanted to create a bookstore like that i mean 20 years ago 25 years ago uh before we started our bookstore kevin and i would separately we didn't know each other very well then and we were not, you know, together as a couple, but we would always, whatever city or small town we were in, we were both people who had like a little magnet in their chest to go to bookstores. We say that about a lot of book book people. They they kind of have this little magnet that draws them to, to oh, books. I can go look and buy books. Yes. Uh, but there's so many wonderful little indie bookstores out there. Unfortunately, a lot of them, you know, have folded. Times have been pretty tough on bookstores and um not just with COVID, but before that, uh, we wanted something that we could would be a really interesting hybrid. We wanted new and used. We wanted to be able to hand sell things that we were excited about, uh, classics, you know, obscure, uh, the newest things that other independent booksellers were excited about. We really wanted a, a really good uh, combination of things, and. Um, we were both selling books part-time online when we met, and we decided to throw our inventories in together and rent a very small space just to give it a whirl so that it was not just a online part-time job but a, an actual place you could walk in and browse. Mm-hmm. So we started in a basement space on Main Street, what, 600 square feet, Kev? It was about six or 700 square feet. It was really tiny. It was downstairs. The rent was super cheap because it wasn't like the most attractive place ever. Uh, But that's where we started. When we started, we didn't have, for example, we didn't have a romance section. We didn't have a young adult section. We didn't have anything environmental or nature writing. And people would come in and they're like, where's your section? We're like, "Um, we're we're getting there. We don't, we don't, we're building, we don't have that section yet. Uh, Now we are in our third incarnation. And we have anywhere between forty and 50,000 books at any given time and a lot of little cute tchotchke and little gift things. Well, yeah, it, it just reminds me of, of bookstores that uh, you still see a little bit everywhere. And isn't that the thing? It's like, I guess the big question for both of you is, 
over the years, you have run a business, and you probably learn a lot of what not to do. You learn trial and error, that's for sure. It is. It's, uh, no, you learn some of the things that work and some of the things that don't, and you just keep plugging along, basically. Mm-hmm. And with that comes the uh, kind of the fun because you really start to find out what your what your town is like. You find out what kind of an audience you get, and definitely does a typical bookstore. No, I mean no business and no bookstore could ever be all things to all people. But you try so hard because there's a little of something for everybody. And how do you um, how do you buy for that? How do you look for that and think? Okay, they like this. They like that. How does it work? Well, you, you you respond as much as you really have to respond to your customers because, like as Casey said, when we first started, we didn't have a romance section, and neither one of us read very much romance, and we had some customers, and that's one of the nice things about having a smaller business and not being corporate is you respond faster to your customers. So when there was a romance section, um, when people wanted romance, we added that. And then we grew it, and then it shrunk back a little bit. But then you kind of respond. Like when we started, we didn't have an LGBT section, though we had one relatively quickly. But uh, that's something that um, you know people wanted. We wanted to to uh, to offer that, and that's shrunk and grown over the years. And and we were the first place in Wellsboro. I mean, this is a small rural town, and we're proud to be able to offer to offer that. And you know, we and it's the same way we. We both are very avid readers, but you have to listen to your customers. So, like, I take book recommendations from my customers, like, oh, well, that sounds like a good book. And I found lots of great books that I probably never would have read if I didn't listen to to my customers. It's been fun because we also do a trade-in program. I mean, we've kind of stolen and incorporated the, what we feel is the best parts of different bookstores that we've gone to Mm -hmm. and some of the best bookstores that i've been in uh that do just used or do new and used offer a trade-in program and we wanted to do that because then you get in some really interesting things that you either didn't know about wouldn't have thought about wouldn't have read yourself and actually part of the reason we were able to expand our like i call it the rainbow section you know the LGBTQ plus section uh, was because very early on we had this wonderful like lesbian couple who came out of nowhere because around here, you know, 15 years ago, they weren't being very public about it. And they, you know, these gals from Potter County came in. They said, we have all these lesbian mysteries. Would you be interested in us trading them in? And I was basically like, hell yeah. We, I mean, we had nothing. <laughs> and there was not, I mean, now there are so many books that are, you know, with queer characters. There, there, was, there was nothing. And it was so great to be able to incorporate, you know, to start to incorporate that. And that's the thing that we've learned uh, as authors, as writers ourselves, is a lot of it comes from people that you know or people that you have had an experience with. And as you know, as, as you're getting, as we get older and as finally our, our humanity is starting to see that, that you see those characters and they're not stereotypical characters. They're not just side characters. They're real people and people, you're starting to see that. And then that brings people to books because it's like, here is somebody I can identify with. The validation is really important. And so is the 
exact opposite, the being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes who is completely different from you. Yes. And then come come across like, oh, like there's a book for middle readers that's called Ghost. And um, the main character is a young black man in a city, but he's from a pretty poor part of town and his dad's in jail. And but he's his nickname is Ghost because he's so fast. He's such a fast runner that you don't even see him. You know, he's he's Ghost. And uh, I think that's the first time in my entire life that I really understood. I felt like I started to understand what it might be like to be a young black man growing up in a poor part of the city because that's like the exact opposite of who I am. I live in a rural area. I'm as white as, you know, all waspy white England, Scotland, you know. She's, and She's really white. I sometimes <laughs> joke that she even thinks mayonnaise is spicy. So she's, yeah. she's that so, white. And I, because of <laughs> Jason Reynolds' book, I was like, oh, you know, I could put myself in this young man's shoes. So, and I do appreciate the validation part too. Like you said, I mean, there are so much more, there are so many more books now where the main character or a close family member suffers from some kind of mental illness. And that has come, quote unquote, that's kind of come out of the closet too. And I feel very validated by that. I know nothing about what it's like to be a young black man. And I really enjoyed reading, you know, some of those books. And that's one of the things you can bring to people is give them something new, something different, right? That's one of the things I think reading is so important because it really builds empathy and and the word and the world needs more the world's always going to need more empathy but i feel today it needs more empathy than ever mm-hmm. when we come back we're going to talk about some of uh, the business and some of the books you offer right after this Sunbury Press Books brings you the work of independent authors. If fiction, whether historical, murder mysteries, or spy thrillers take your fancy, check out Milford House Press. The mysteries of Sherry Knowlton, including her series with Detective Alexa Williams, are Sebastian Bennett's The Final Yen, works by Marika Biagio, such as The Model Spy and The Point of Vanishing, Hilary Hawk's Ashes to Song, or Love, Faith, and the Dented Bullet by Carolyn Kleinman. Explore by clicking on the Milford House tab at sunburypressbooks.com. Let's get back to more of the Brown Posey Press Show here on the BookSpeak Network. That's one of the fun things, too, about being a bookseller is like having a favorite book and being able to share it with people. Like, you, know, you, you tell people, like, this book is so good, you just mm-hmm. have to read it. And that, that's a lot of, like one of the nice things about small bookstores is we do a lot of hand-sawing is because you know, everybody that works here is a big reader. And we've had some people, some employees who have been here that haven't been huge readers and they never seem to work out quite as well because of course we're all reading something so it's very i think where i'm looking for it's very organic it's like if we read a book no we can really hand sell it and then we have some people that take recommendations from us because they like our recommendations that have the same kind of have the same uh, style as us so that they really like that and that is one of the fun things about uh, working in a store and I used to do when I used to work in record stores it was the mm-hmm. same thing yeah. people would come in and every now and then somebody wouldn't know what they were looking for or they had questions and it's like oh I can give a recommendation <laughs> I can help someone I like <laughs> and that's fun too isn't it it really yeah. is and as we discover new authors I mean we recommend authors that we've loved 
you know, since we were, you know, 10. But we also, you know, we're always reading new things and then discovering new things. We turn around and say, man, I just finished this last week and you would love it. I just called up one of my regular customers because I know what she likes. And I said, I discovered a new author and she's a combination of mystery thriller, like sort of true crime except it's fiction, but it, fe- it reads like true crime and a little horror mixed in, a little supernatural. And I was like, I know this is you. And she was so excited. She's like, I'm coming in. You got to show me. <laughs> you know, so you get to know your customers and kind of meet their needs and tastes. Mm-hmm. Now, a question I have also is how open-minded is the, the book buying audience for that sort of thing? Because I've always had the experience of customers that came in and they knew exactly what they wanted and sometimes sure. maybe that's all they can afford. But how how open today is is your average customer? It varies so much because some people are because like, I sometimes I feel like the art of browsing is dying. Sometimes people come in just like you said, and they they know exactly what they want. That's what they want. And there's some people that are very open to to trying new things. And that's what I feel we all have to be because we respond to our customers. Like there's a. Uh, there was this one series that I love, and I'm glad I found the author. It's like this Chris Chris Wooding. He's he's a British author, and the cover was kind of steampunk. And I'm not really into steampunk, right? Um, but I read it, and it it reminds me of the of the TV show Firefly. It's like they're pirates, they're sky pirates, and that they're not really bad guys. They're not really good enough to be heroes, but they're not bad enough to be. You know, they're kind of in that nubilis middle and i'm glad i listened to my customer and read it because i discovered a new author and i hand sell them all the time and so it's you know it's yeah how open people are it really it really varies but it's something that we all need to be open to stuff because that's what that's where we grow and that's the other thing too is the things that we write because you, Kevin, are an author as well, and I wanted to get into that a little bit because here is the perfect place for you to sell your work, but at the same time, there is so much that goes into our own process of how do I want to write this? How do I want to do this? Right? There is. And and it's... You know, it's I write... I, I, I joke that a lot of... That you write what you know. Um, I joke that I write where I know because I set most of my books here in Wallsboro, but it's, but it really varies. I mean, what do, what do we write about and where our strengths are? I mean, cause I write a column for, for North Central PA called the, the Blue Collar Bookseller because I, I kind of approach book selling. I've always approached it kind of as there's a book for everybody and no matter where you are um, in life, there's a book for it. So I don't feel just like educated people need to read or I mean, I'm I'm very blue collar. I come from fa- factory workers. I work um, in a factory. I come from farmers. Uh, my dad was a truck driver. My dad loved to read, so I feel reading is for everybody. And and what do you write? I mean, you write some of what you know. I mean, my strength is children's books because like this childlike part of me that I like, and I like to be funny, and I really want kids to read, and and so that's what. Um, my focus is mostly as as a writer. And some of the things you've written, um, first of all, uh, Casey has returned, so I, it leads <laughs> me into 
uh, the welcome committee that came that saw me were your two cats. And uh, one of my friends on social media saw the pictures of your cats and said, I think every store should have at least two cats in it. Aww. And I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and so you have you, your store cats, Huckleberry and Finn, are such fixtures and they're like celebrities in themselves. And then. You guys have the you have these cats, and Kevin wrote a story about them, which was pretty awesome. I, I did because actually my first children's book was actually Hubble Finds a Home, which was about how our first bookstore cat come to live with me, and he was actually my cat before I met my wife. Mm-hmm. And, and then I started the Ninja Raccoon series, and Huck, Huckleberry and Finn come to live with us, and they they told me that they wanted their own book and. And they I said agree. Hobo had a book. They should have one, they too. They had the book, and <laughs> they are pretty famous. They have their own book. Uh, they appear in the book Bookstore Cats, which is now out of print. And and I agreed that they really needed their own book. So Huckleberry and Finn is basically a day in the life of Huckleberry and Finn. And it's an, also basically an ode to bookstores, too. Because it's, you know, Huck and Finn Bookstore Cats. Yeah. yeah, and like I say, they're they're part of the show, so to speak. And oh, they and they they first of all they love when people come in. I mean, Huckleberry likes people, but Finn, if he does not get his daily, you know, quota, whatever his I don't know, it's in his head. He has to have a daily quota of of people who come in to admire him. He literally walks around and cries the sad, sad songs. Oh, he's he's the very sad, sad songs of his people. Or lack of people. I think, yeah. I think every cat does that at one point or another. And um, that's the, that was the thing. It was like the, the, you have a book for him. And you said something about ninja raccoons. What? Yes. Okay. I, totally ninja raccoons. So I, I had this idea of, no, I, no, this comes from my experience as a bookseller. So it's right around second grade that I noticed that if a, if a boy doesn't really engage in reading that he starts to fall behind in his peers and i figured well there wasn't i was really good because there's a childlike part of me and so like i wrote the totally ninja raccoons specifically for the reluctant reader so they have raccoons there's ninjas um each book has a cryptid in it and i I wrote it specifically for that audience luckily it's you write for an audience, and who who shows up sometimes is different than what you think. Mm-hmm. So boys do like this the series, and it's a little bit more boy heavy than than girls. But girls really love the series too, and I have a lot of fun writing them because there's it's basically cats versus raccoons. See, because <laughs> the cat board. Now, have you heard of the cat board? No. Well, it's a secret organization, so I'm not surprised. But I love cats. But you've probably suspected the cats when I take over the world. Mm-hmm. And it's true. And it's up to the ninja raccoons to stop it. Of course, the cats never really want to do the heavy lifting. They always want somebody else to do the work. So what they do, and how the first book starts out is, it starts out with Gypsy, who's head of the cat board. And she she wants somebody to do the work. And she wants, she wants somebody to capture Bigfoot because she wants to use Bigfoot's powers of stealth and her and her conquest for world domination. So this is how it sets up the series: is the raccoons answer an ad to capture Bigfoot, and well, I don't want to you know, spoil the story, but uh, 
But that kind of sets up the whole premise for the, the Ninja Raccoons. And that is just the first of a series because yes. I see them here on your shelves and they look fantastic. Now, who did you get to do the, uh, you had said that you found somebody to do the artwork for yeah. a lot of these. So uh, my friend, um, Chris Jones, does the artwork and he actually d does it under a pseudonym when he started. He, he does... Uh, he writes under the, I guess you can call it a pseudonym for an illustrator. He has a pen name for himself as an illustrator. It's Jubilee. Okay. Mm -hmm. he, he, Jubal. And then Lee, Lee. as the last yeah. word. Because few things make him more happy than, than illustrating children's books. Because I used to joke that, that the, the illustrator and the writer of the Ninja Raccoons were, were children. They were just in their 40s. But now we're both in our 50s now since they've been going on for several years. Um, I just turned 53 here um, early May. And, and my illustrator, he just turned 50 here um, a, little, a little while ago. Well, considering that I'm not that much older than you, uh, it's kind of like, you know, it's a number. We're still We're still kids, aren't we? Oh, yeah. And Especially these guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we come back, we're going to talk a little about the future of the business and what else we can find right after this. Sunbury Press Books brings you the work of authors from many genres. If you are into horror, thrillers, or fantasy, check out our Hellbender Books imprint, Thomas Malaforina's Maliformed Reality series, The Thirteenth Child by Nick Korolev, The State Changer series by Chris Fenwick, or the psychological thrillers of Keith Rommel. Find these and other works at the Hellbender Books tab and all works of fiction and nonfiction at sunburypress.com. We're back in Wellsboro, Pennsylvania at From My Shelf Books. Kevin and Casey, the owners, are sitting across from me. And I guess the next question here is, you've talked about some of the events that you've been to, partly to promote your store and that sort of thing. With the pandemic and just with the advents of such as things like ebooks and and Nooks and Kindles and stuff, what is it like for the business uh, to go out and promote and to try to get people to come in and pick up the real book? You want to answer that first? You want me to? Uh, we've had to adapt. You know, uh, it's been, we've been in business 16 years. And I think <laughs> you had said something earlier, Tori, when we were just talking and I had answered, you know, I don't think it's a bad thing to be idealistic and maybe a little naive when you come into something new and, yep. and you're young. If we had had any idea what we were doing or what was to come when we opened the bookstore, there's no way we would have dared. We wouldn't have had the courage to do it right. because that was before the Kindle and we were selling online um, and it, we just didn't know all the things that would transpire. We certainly didn't know that there would be you know, as much e in, with eBooks. We didn't know that uh, COVID would be coming, obviously. And we got into a snarl with our landlord at one point, our old landlord. So you just, you learn a lot. And we have very luckily, number one, been able to roll with the punches. We're both very stubborn and uh, very, we have a lot of <laughs> perseverance. And I think that is just as much as, you know, as, as being intelligent or, you know, trying to respond to your customers. We just didn't want to give up, period. End right. of story, you know, and uh, so we didn't give up in our community, the people that we work with and work for in our community who have said again and again, we want a bookstore, we want your bookstore here, 
we wouldn't be able to do it without them. They've they've just been fantastic. And that's the thing, too, is that the bookstore, like so many other things in any community, whether it's a big city or a small town, there are certain things that are a part of our lives. Yeah. And you don't realize till they're gone that you might have taken them for granted. And that can be uh, a coffee shop. That that's can right. be your your uh, convenience store. That can be your church. That can be your bookstore. Yeah. Right. We always say it's it's a little bit like the you know the old TV show Cheers. You know we we want to be the place where everybody knows your name. You walk in the door and we're like Norm, how are you? <laughs> but that's what we and we want a community like that. We want a community where there's a bar like that and a coffee shop like that and and your favorite whatever your favorite uh, ice cream shop and and your favorite bookstore. Yeah, like your fa- your your favorite like because one of my favorite places to eat is Tony's Pizza here, and no they. They, they drop off a menu, but most of the time they ask if we want a menu because we already know the menu. We usually know what we want. But your favorite store might know that you don't want mayonnaise or what you want. And, yep. and like I said, my wife, like she finished reading a book. Like, I know this customer will love this book. And that's – and that you – no, know, that you – know, people know people know you here, and that's and that's that's comforting. And that's – in this world today, we all need a little more comfort. Yes. One question about your regular customers: Do you would you be willing to talk about one or two that maybe stand out for you that that you're always happy to see, or you or maybe they present a challenge for you? I want to talk about Eldon for a minute. Okay, is that ahead. okay? Yeah. So this wonderful, wonderful man <laughs> comes in about three years ago. No, maybe even four at this point. Okay, he is bent over. He looks about twenty years older than he actually is. He's a Vietnam War vet. Mm-hmm. But he grew up pretty rough. I think he's a farmer and, uh, you know, came back from the war and farmed more. And uh, but he know. oh, my gosh. So he comes in. He has this list. First time he comes in every time after, too, is this huge list handwritten on legal pads with terrible handwriting. And he wants he's researched what he wants. And it's all these books, you know. I, OK, so I, I would like a book. Um, it's written by uh, Richard. S, as in Sam, Wheeler, and it's published in 1923, and it's, you know, it, and it's about, he wants things on oil history, lumber history, farming and agriculture history, mm. saws, um, coal, and, and, but he wants these things that are from the 1800s and early 1900s. He wants original editions if he can have them, and he, uh, oh my God, he's all self-taught. And he comes in with pages and pages and pages of books that he's looking for. And they are all from the bibliographies of other books, other books that he read and enjoyed. And it's been fascinating to work with him. So we're working. We still working with him. He sends me he's living with uh, somebody in his family right now because he had covid and he got real sick. And, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. so he's somebody's. They, they won't let him go home by himself yet. But then he calls me. He said, I'm not a very happy camper. I'm staying with this family member, but I really want to go back home. And uh, here's some books I want in the meantime. And he sends me pages in the mail, and I'm, I'm researching. and try. Sometimes they're 20 bucks, and sometimes they're like 120 and so we don't do those. But he's really interesting. And I love working with those kind of people. We have a couple of people like that who are just amazing. How about you? Some of your sci-fi and well, fantasy people who come in, they're like, what are you going to recommend, Kev? Yeah, there's there's some customers that 
they, they only they only visit Wellsboro like every once or two years. But when they do, they come in to see us because like I, I grew up reading a lot of science fiction and fantasy and I still read a lot of science fiction and fantasy. And they'll come in and I've, I've made a recommendation and they really enjoyed it. So the next time they come in, they're like, well, what else have you read? And so they, I hook them up with somebody, and I, I mentioned before that I also listen to my customers. So I found a lot of great series myself that I haven't had time to read, but I decided that, oh, it's time to read because they have we have similar tastes. So I recommend something to them, and they recommend something to me. And so that's I like to I like to learn from my customers as much as I like to sell to them. You know, we kind of go back and forth. One thing that we talked about a little bit earlier, Casey, was the situation with trying to go up against the monster that is Amazon. Yeah. And I've been watching you package up books, and you talked about um, working with uh, an independent association of booksellers. Tell us a little about them and what purpose it serves and how does it work? It's been great. Uh, Before we started our own bookstore – I was aware of this organization called the American Booksellers Association, right. ABA for short. It's basically a chamber of commerce, but it's nationwide. It's a chamber of commerce for independent bookstores. And the reason I was aware of it before we even started the bookstore is when you go into an independent bookstore that's a member of the ABA, they have these newsletters, these really nice little newsletters that they would have out on the counter or something. And their recommendations of books from independent booksellers. So they're not spin doctored. It's not the PR rep from Simon & Schuster or HarperCollins or whatever. It's another independent bookseller saying, I read this book and it, wow, I loved it. So I would always pick up those newsletters when I would go in other independent booksellers. And I knew right away when Kevin and I started this story, I said, "We, we have to be members of the ABA. And it turns out that was just the, you know, the tip of the iceberg. Uh, of what the ABA does. They are they are huge advocates for independent booksellers, and there's a lot of networking and um, help behind the scenes, including like one of the things we have is we have a website through them where we can sell all of the new books that are available through Ingram, the largest wholesaler in the United States. We have our own website. We pay 50 bucks a month for it. You can get a fancier one, but you don't need to. So at wellsboroughbookstore.com, uh, we have all of our new books for sale. Yes. And I guess the last question would be, and maybe we've already answered it, the future of the bookstore, you see one. We do. It's tough. It's a tough, tough road. It is. I mean, like how we've how we've made it 16 years is we just keep plugging. So... I, I started writing the, the Totally Ninja Raccoons. I actually have my own website now, um, KevinCoolidge.org. And it's just, we just keep going. I mean, I, I did go back to work, working in a factory. So I work 40 hours a week in a cardboard factory, which actually gave me an idea for another book because that's part of the thing of being a writer is it always gives you an idea. That's right. So uh, actually, I like the, the Totally Ninja Raccoons are cats versus raccoons but the idea of going back to the cardboard factory um we make boxes is 
to give the cat board their own book. And there's like the cat board and the cardboard caper, which I started writing. I haven't finished it yet. Well, cats love boxes. You cats know. love boxes. Yes. So it just kind of, a lot, of, a lot of ideas are just kind of organic and, and that morphed into that. So I'm working on that. And it's, we just, we just keep going because that's what we do. And that's the whole thing. It's keep going in this business, right? All right. Well, my guests today have been Casey and Kevin Coolidge, the owners of From My Shelf Books in Wellsboro, Pennsylvania. Thank you for having me today. Thank you for being on. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks, Tori. It's great. You've been listening to the Brown Posey Press Show with your host, Tori Gates. Find his works, including Searching for Roy Buchanan, Call It Love, A Moment in the Sun, and Lie from the Cafe, along with more independent authors of fiction and nonfiction at sunburypress.com. Thank you for listening. This is the BookSpeak Network. <laughs>